Part one, chapter sixteen of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part one, chapter sixteen. It was a long time before Chilo showed himself again. Vinitius knew not what to think. Vainly he repeated to himself that a successful search must be slow and careful. Hot-tempered and hot-blooded, he would not listen to the voice of reason. To do nothing, to wait and sit with folded hands, was so repugnant that he could not reconcile himself to it. To run in the disguise of a slave through dark streets and alleys, without result, seemed a useless employment of energy. His freedmen, quick, sagacious, and experienced, whom he had commanded to make an independent search, proved themselves to be a hundredfold less expert than Chilo. But Vinitius, in addition to his love for Lygia, felt the gambler's craving for victory. This had always been one of his characteristics. From his childhood he had accomplished all his wishes with the passion of one who does not understand the word impossible, or recognize the necessity of surrender military discipline had for a period put bounds upon his own will but it had awakened in him at the same time the sense that every command given by him to his subordinates must be carried out at any cost his long sojourn in the east among a docile people accustomed to slavish obedience strengthened him in his belief that there was no nay to his i will his pride as well as his heart was wounded the flight of lygia was unintelligible to him he racked his head in striving to solve the puzzle he felt that actea told the truth that lygia was not indifferent to him yet if this were so why did she prefer vagrancy and misery to his love to his caresses and to his luxurious home he could not answer this question he only had an undefinable comprehension that between him and lygia between her feelings and his between the world of lygia and pomponia and that in which he and petronius lived there existed a discrepancy as deep and impassable as an abyss his one thought was that he must lose lygia but at that thought he lost all the remnant of self-control which petronius sought to bolster up there were times when he knew not whether he would love or hate lygia in case he found her but one thing he knew was that he must find her better that she was swallowed up in the bowels of the earth than that he should surrender her the strength of his imagination often conjured her up visibly before his eyes he recalled almost every word that he had ever spoken to her or heard from her he felt her near him felt her lying on his bosom in his arms and pride and passion reawakened in him like flame he loved her and called upon her and when he remembered that she loved him in turn and might yield willingly to his desire a deep sadness overcame him this sadness flooded his heart like gigantic sea-waves at times his face grew livid from anger his inward passion would have riven his heart had he not found solace in gloating over the tortures which he would inflict upon lygia if he found her in vengeance for the tortures she had inflicted upon him he desired not merely to possess her but to possess her as an abject and humiliated slave nevertheless he felt that if the choice were given him to be her slave or never to see her he would rather be her slave he revelled in the very thought of the scars that his merciless whip would inflict upon her rosy body but simultaneously a wild desire arose within him to kiss those scars he even thought that he would be happy if he could kill her the torture torment excitement and doubt told upon his health and even upon his manly beauty he became cruel and unreasonable 
slaves and freedmen approached him trembling he punished them without mercy and without pretext and they grew to hate him secretly he recognized this and felt his isolation still more keenly and wreaked a still bitterer and more unreasonable revenge with chilo alone he was on friendly terms for he feared that chilo might give up his search chilo divined the reason established greater control over him and grew more domineering in his demands at first he had assured vinitius that the task would be easily and speedily accomplished now he inwardly exerted himself to invent new difficulties and although holding out the hope of ultimate success insisted that time was needed finally after many days had passed he arrived with so troubled a look that the young man paled at the sight of him springing up he had barely strength to ask him is she not among the christians of course she is answered chilo but among them i have found a physician glaucus what of that who is glaucus master hast thou forgotten the old man with whom i travelled from naples to rome in whose defence i lost these two fingers a loss that has deprived me of the use of a pen the robbers who carried off his wife and children stabbed him with a knife i left him in a dying condition at a tavern in minturni and mourned for him a long time but alas i have now ascertained that he is alive and a member of the christian community in rome vinitius who could not catch the drift of this speech but only understood that glaucus in some way was an obstacle in his path suppressed his rising impatience and said he should be grateful for thy assistance and now aid thee in return yea honourable tribune but if the gods themselves are not always grateful what can we expect from men yea he should be grateful but alas he is an old man his mind is bowed and darkened by age and disappointment i learn not only that he is ungrateful but that he has accused me to his fellow christians saying that i did conspire with the thieves and that i am the cause of all his misfortunes such is my reward for my two lost fingers caitiff cried vinitius i know that he tells the truth then thou knowest more than he does for his is only a guess but that guess would suffice for him to call the christians to aid him in some cruel revenge he would certainly have done this sooner and found many willing christians but that happily he knows not my name in the house of prayer where i ran against him he did not recognize me but i recognized him at once my first impulse would have been to throw myself on his neck prudence and long habits of self-restraint preserved me from this but on leaving the place i made inquiries and learned from his acquaintances that this was a man who had been betrayed by his companion on the way from naples and that is how i know what story he gives out what is all this to me tell me what sawest thou in the house of prayer it may be nothing to thee master but is everything to me as i wish my wisdom to survive me rather would i renounce the reward thou hast offered than sacrifice my life for empty gain a true philosopher can always live without lucre and devote his time to the search for wisdom vinitius bent upon him a menacing look and said in a voice that trembled with wrath who told thee that death was more certain at the hands of glaucus than of mine and how knowest thou that i will not bury thee even now like a dog in my garden chilo caught that glance and trembled he knew that one more unguarded remark might destroy him i will seek master and i will find he cried hastily a silence followed only the heavy breathing of vinitius and the far-off songs of slaves at work in the garden could be heard 
not until chilo had assured himself that the young tribune had grown calmer did he resume the conversation death hath often passed so close as to touch me but i looked at it with the coldness of a socrates no master i have not said that i would renounce the search for the girl but only that this search involves much danger for me there was a time when thou didst doubt the very existence of a certain eurysius but thou didst ascertain with thine own eyes that the son of my father told thee the truth now thou thinkest that i have conjured up an imaginary glaucus alas were he really a fiction and could i walk among the christians as safely as of yore i would cheerfully give up the poor old slave whom three days ago i purchased for my assistance in my old age and decrepitude but master glaucus is alive were he to see me even once thou wouldst never see me again then who would discover the girl he ceased dried his eyes and continued so long as glaucus is alive how can i continue my search for her when i may meet him at any moment if i meet him i am lost and with me the search is lost what dost thou think of doing what is thy advice what is thy decision asked vinitius master aristotle teaches that small things must be sacrificed to great king priam always said that old age is a heavy burden this burden has oppressed the aged glaucus for long years so heavily indeed that death would be a benefaction and indeed what is death according to seneca tis but a release keep thy jesting for petronius not for me tell me thy intentions if virtue be a jest may the gods allow me to remain a jester for ever i wish to put glaucus out of the way while he lives my life and the search are in the greatest danger hire men to beat him to death with clubs i will pay the bill master thou wilt only go to needless expense and disclose thy secrets in vain there are as many rascals in rome as there are grains of sand in the arena thou knowest not what might happen if an honest man needed their base services no worthy tribune suppose the watchmen caught the murderers in the act they would undoubtedly reveal the name of him who had hired them and great trouble might follow tis not i that will be denounced for they know not my name thou art wrong in failing to trust me thou wouldst defile my sincerity with mire two things interest me the wholeness of my skin and the reward which thou hast promised me how much dost thou need i need a thousand sesterces for look you master i must find honest rascals who will not disappear after taking bribes and leave no trace behind them good work requires good pay something should be added also for me to wipe away the tears of sorrow that i will shed over glaucus the gods be my witness how i love him could i get the thousand sesterces to-day in two days his soul will be wandering in hades then and there if souls retain the power of memory and of reason he will learn how deeply i loved him i will find the men this very day and tell them that for every day of glaucus's continued existence one hundred sesterces will be subtracted from their pay then there will be no failure vinitius once more promised him the stipulated sum he forbade him however to speak further of glaucus he also questioned him as to what news he brought where he had been in the interval what he had seen and what he had discovered but chilo had little news to tell he had been in two more places of prayer he had carefully watched every one especially the women but had seen no one who bore any resemblance to lygia the christians all looked upon him as one of themselves 
ever since the time when he had ransomed the son of eurysius they had honored him as one who trod in the ways of christ he learned further that their great teacher paul of tarsus was now in rome imprisoned on charges preferred by the jews and he had determined to make his acquaintance he was most overjoyed with the additional news that the greatest of all the sect a disciple of christ to whom had been confided the administration of the entire christian world might arrive in rome at any moment all the christians were anxious to see him and to hear his teachings there would be great gatherings in which chilo himself would be present he would bring vinitius there in disguise and they would certainly find lygia if glaucus were out of the way there would be small peril in all this the christians might plan revenge but they were usually a peaceful people and now chilo began to explain with some enthusiasm that he had never found them to engage in any debauchery nor to poison wells and fountains nor to preach enmity to humanity nor to worship an ass nor to feed on the flesh of children nay these things he had never seen true among them might be found persons who would do away with glaucus but their teaching so far as he knew would not incite them to crime on the contrary it commanded forgiveness even to the wronged vinitius recalled what pomponia Grycina had said to him at actia's and listened with delight to the words of chilo though sometimes he felt that he hated lygia he was relieved to hear that the sect to which she and pomponia belonged was neither criminal nor disgusting an indescribable feeling rose within him that these unknown teachings and the mysterious reverence which they paid to christ created a chasm between him and lygia so he began to hate those teachings and to fear them End of part one chapter sixteen